your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Should VGK be in a hurry to hire a new head coach? Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco. You could follow us at Locked On VGK on Twitter and on YouTube. Me at Tony Dasco and Chris Golick is at TD Chris G on Twitter. Welcome aboard. Today we are doing audio only, some issues with our video feed. And so here we go, Chris. And so, like many fans, we are wanting to see VGK hire a new coach and soon. But should this team be in a hurry to replace Pete DeBoer? I honestly, you know, I've got to say that I say no. And my theory could be, are they waiting for a coach to finish in the playoffs, be it an assistant coach or whatever? If the Raiders have a big announcement, we know that Foley would come out with a new coach tomorrow just to grab the headlines. (laughs) They can be patient, you know, fans aren't, uh, but the Golden Knights have to have, they have to make the right hire, right? They have to pick the right choice. Even though the draft isn't big for VGK, you would like to see a head coach by Thursday, July the 7th. That is the draft date. Uh, I think it'll come sometime in early June or mid-June. And uh, my guess would have to be around June 13th. Just making a guess out there. Uh, The cup final is happening. And again, Bill Foley can take away headlines, he can get the pub, all the pub that he needs. The date that the head coach has to be in place for sure has to be on July the 13th, however, and that is the date that the RFA and the unrestricted free agents uh, signing period begins. But what are your thoughts as far as uh, should we all be patient on waiting for a new coach? Uh, What all do you think is going on behind the scenes? So a few things here. I would like to see a coach in place uh, right around that June 1st to like June 7th range. Like I think the third is like a Wednesday. So right around that ballpark, that gives a good 30 days before the draft period, free agency, and, you know, just time to acclimate and get on the same page as the owner, as the general manager, and as the president. It's not something that you're just going to, have a turnkey replacement and jump right in and put together a Stanley cup contending roster that is going to need some level of care and potential rebuilding, depending on which direction they go with the contracts. So sooner than later, I would like to see someone joining as our head coach. Uh, You mentioned BGK, maybe they're waiting for a domino to fall as far as the playoff teams go. And the only team I think you could possibly eyeball if VGK is on that path would be the Florida Panthers. Andrew Burnett was named the interim head coach when Joel Quinville had to resign. So maybe they want to kind of see how that whole situation was going to shake out. I don't know if Joel Quinville will be able to return to Florida, whether he'll be welcome to return or able to return. And Andrew Burnett, Sure, he did a a wonderful job leading the team to the President's Trophy, the best record in the NFL, NHL. You said Raiders earlier, Tony. You got me all screwed up now. 
Um, he did lead the team to the best regular season record in the NHL. But when the playoffs came, John Cooper just ran circles around him. So you have to wonder if he's ready to lead a team from, you know, wire to wire. Now, the end game, could VGK possibly be eyeballing Joel Quinville with assistant Andrew Burnett for their next uh, head coach and, uh, you know, right-hand man, so to speak? If you want to, uh, you know, start the rumor mill going, that's kind of where I'll start things at because there's been radio silence. There's been nothing. Looking up and down the other rosters and such as far as um, coaches that aren't around him, I guess the Dallas Stars coach, I don't know exactly why all of a sudden he resigned. That seems kind of strange given uh, how well their first round went. Maybe uh, there's something there, but, you know, let's keep our eyes down, down in Florida with Joel Quinville and Andrew Burnett, I think. And one of the reasons perhaps why VGK should be in a hurry is because Barry Trotz to Vegas is losing a lot of steam. Uh, just not a lot of uh, action or activity or none that we have heard of. And, you know, anytime somebody ducks into town, we usually find out, right, that somebody's here for an interview or what have you. They're doing it very stealth-like. And I would not be surprised if these interviews are taking place out of town or out of the country, even in Canada. Uh, but that's why I believe that uh, BGK could wind up having to hurry or rush uh, its election as the head coach because they want to get that shiny new toy, as we say, as McCrimmon says. Uh, and then uh, what about uh, how will things evolve? So this new uh, development camp that we don't know much about, um, that's supposed to take place after the draft. So we understand that at some, at some time, some point after the draft, uh, so that, again, the draft is on July the 7th. They're going to want to make sure that they get this developmental camp underway. And we don't know everything that goes into that. So somewhere between July 7th and July the 13th, that coach had better be in place because the 13th begins everything with free agency, too. Yeah, no doubt. I, I really don't see him waiting that long. I mean, you know, days before the draft, days before developmental camp. I mean, that would just be um, another train wreck and what's been um, a train wreck of um, things and occurrences happening with uh, the VGK since basically since Gerard Gallant was let go. I'm sure we'll touch on that later. And maybe another reason uh, if your Rangers keep putting, putting W's together and advancing, you know, you're going to want uh, Foley's going to want to steal that spotlight back and um, help VGK fans not to think about him and the success that uh, the Rangers are having right now. Um, but yeah, sooner than later, VGK needs to make a move. Don't wait. Uh, the fans want to see something. The fans want the right person. I'll, I think I'm going to comfortably predict Barry Trotz is not going to be in the running. Maybe there will be an interview somewhere along the way. Maybe there already has been, but I feel pretty confident Barry Trotz is not going to end up being the coach just based on a hunch based on the way the roster is made up and just kind of, I feel a personality clash with uh, trots and, and uh, McCrimmon potentially based on my comments uh, yesterday's show about outside interference. I don't see Barry trots as the type to tolerate that sort of thing. Okay. So I am again going to predict June the 13th, we will have a new head coach in place and your prediction again, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the under on that. Let me pull up my calendar. I want to make sure my dates right. <laughs> I'm going to say Friday, June 3rd. Okay. 
So Friday, June 3rd, write it down, mark it in the date, mark it in the calendar. All right. Cause sometime in between there, we should have a new coach according to our beliefs. And then we just went through the calendar and the way that everything falls. And once again, NHL draft will happen on July the 7th. And then July the 13th is the date that RFA UFA signing will begin and all those shenanigans and all the shiny new toys that will be available uh, for this franchise. And they're not going to stop. They're, they're, they'll still sign players, even if they're a $5 million player, uh, even if they're again, 10 million over the salary cap, they don't seem to care. Do they uh, coming up next? I think that VGK needs to play faster offensively this upcoming season. And in the future, we are seeing a trend in the Western Conference semifinals in the Battle of Alberta, and we will talk about that when we continue right here. You are listening to Locked On Golden Knights. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time, save money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from your chain auto store or car dealership? For instance, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump, $353 from a chain store, just $216 from Rock Auto. And Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for the past 20-plus years. They have everything that you could need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and now even new carpeting. Go to rockauto.com right now. And you can see all the parts available for your car or for your truck right locked on on their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Once again, it is rockauto.com, rockauto.com, and make sure that you insert the words locked on in the box that says, How Did You Hear About Us? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. We appreciate you all tuning in and listening today. We had some issues with our video feed. We hope that everything is figured out by tomorrow. Damn technology. Thanks for making <laughs> us your first listen. For your second listen, check out Locked On Now, that podcast with nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. And it is free and available wherever you get your podcast. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick back on Lockdown Golden Knights. And Chris, something that I've seen. So a trend is developing, I believe, in the National Hockey League that we're seeing more of in the playoffs. Okay. So VGK, we believe, or I believe at least, uh, needs to play faster offensively next season. Whoever the new coach might be, they need to play in transition and they need to continue to create odd man rushes. So the trend that I've seen developing, Chris, in the Edmonton versus Calgary series, say Calgary, is to have the goalie get the puck out fast. Now, these are two goalies. It became a nightmare because they perhaps were not working within their regular systems. 
Uh, but the coaches were trying to outdo each other on both ends, and they hope to get the puck out. So they'll catch it with their mitt. They'll roll it out in hopes of getting a breakout. Mike Smith and Jacob Markstrom, uh, they wouldn't hold on to the puck for very long. And a couple of times we thought that there should have been a whistle because the play should have been blown dead. And they try to get the puck out as quickly as possible. And uh, I saw this one time, right? So Smith carried the puck uh, from the right to the left, and then he finally dumped it off. And that play should have been blown dead, for instance. But it starts the transition game. This is a copycat and, let's say, a retread league. Everyone, especially in the West, I believe, will start to do this. And now you're going to see teams doing this a lot more, get the puck out as quickly as possible. And you also, in doing so, right, you avoid having a face-off in your own end as well. No doubt. Um, you definitely want to avoid having that low zone face-off anytime that it is safe to do so. And, and just, folks, take a second. We're talking about goalies playing the puck here. Go ahead and YouTube Patrick Wah. I can't recall what season this was, but there was a delayed penalty situation where the Canadians were going to go on the power play. So in that circumstance, the goalie leaves the net for an extra attacker. Patrick Wah is skating to the bench. The puck finds him like at the blue line or something like that. The goalie is still able to play the puck until they cross the, re the red line, the center line. So Wah literally pulls a 360 does like a forehand backhand around someone else. They carries it across the red line and gets assessed a delay a game penalty. But, you know, if we want to talk about goalies playing the puck, we have to acknowledge that first. So, yes, goalies need to play the puck, whether it's uh, passing from the trapezoid, stopping the puck uh, before it gets buried into the corner and things like that. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury had some good moments with that and did not have some good moments with that. Uh, Robin Leonard, eh, eh, eh. Logan Thompson seems pretty active at getting to the puck in the corners and such and beginning that breakout. Um, we're also just kind of talking about speed in general. So it got me thinking back to my uh, Chicago Blackhawks fandom days. And I remember a coach, his name was Alpo Suhonen. He was only the coach of the Blackhawks uh, in 2001 in the, the 2001 campaign his only time as a head coach in the NHL as well. Now, keep in mind, this is before the lockout, before the game really changed to the speed and transition game. It was still about clutching and grabbing and a real muddy neutral zone that was really tough for the skill players to navigate through because they're always getting hooked and slashed by every other player out there. But I remember the very first game of the season when Suhonen was the Blackhawks coach. Their transition game was extremely fast. There wasn't a huge roster change year over year from what I recall, but Suhonen had them playing so much faster. It, it, it didn't last too long as far as success went because they just kept clutching and grabbing the hell out of them. But there was a noticeable difference from year over year. And kind of the same thing has happened this year with the Golden Knights. They're just not as fast as everybody in the NHL. Uh, partially to injuries and all the things they went through. And I think a lot of that is the scheme. So let's go back and compare now. Let's look at Gerard Gallant's Golden Knights for seasons one, two, and you know 2.5, so to speak, until he was let go. They were so fast at getting the puck from our defensemen 
it was one, two passes, and all of a sudden it felt like an odd man rush every single time. Speed kills through the neutral zone in every single level of hockey, from the squirts and mites, you know, the eights and 10-year-olds that I officiate at Lifeguard and City National, to the Bantams, to the, the beer league that I was doing last night. It does not matter. There is no difference. If you are fast coming through the neutral zone, you will be a successful team in the NHL and everything underneath that. And how many times, Tony, did we see they're coming through and a pass gets busted up at the red line, kills everything, or even better yet, on the power play, trying to make that entry. And, you know, just the timing is disturbed. The play is slowed down and winds up being a dead play. So it starts with the goalie getting that puck out and then a good, clean first pass from your defenseman. Yeah. And, you know, so again, you could tell that these goaltenders were not, yes, they do play, both of these teams play pretty fast, but you could tell that they were mirror images of each other, right? And Markstrom pulled the flurry lay gaff, right? As he tried to get the puck out from behind the net. And uh, then we saw Smith, <laughs> your favorite, uh, letting up the 132 foot goal. Man, he that lost. Was, How um... do you lose the puck like that? A buddy of mine uh, was going up and back with, and I said that was the uh, old Roger Dorn Ole at third base from Major League right there. And, you know, it, listen, it's a weird game. And I was talking to my son Christopher and daughter Allie about it this morning because they, they didn't see the replay, so I was trying to explain to them. And right away my son is asking, how does that happen? And let's, let's slow down for a second here, folks. You have the white dasher boards. They go up like four feet, four and a half feet, whatever the measurement is. And then you have glass. Behind that glass is fans wearing all sorts of different colors, especially orange, black, light red, whatever it is up there in Edmonton. So you can, if you're not completely focused on that puck the second it leaves the stick, I don't care where it's coming from. When it's coming 80, 90, 95 miles an hour, and if you watch the north-south replay, the puck was hooking a little bit. I'm not making an excuse for Mike Smith, but, you know, you have to be completely focused at all times or that's going to happen. And uh, the ghost of Mike Smith's past almost uh, made that a two, two series. And Smith had some issues. He had some troubles handling the puck behind the net mm -hmm. previous two trips down the ice. And so, you know, and then Smith, I don't think he was in the, the right position. I really don't. Uh, when that puck came a blazing there, from 132 feet out from, who was it, Rasmus Anderson? I mean, there's no positioning there. If you're focused, I don't care. It's not like you're going to cut the angle down or anything like that when it's coming 130 feet away. You just got to be paying attention. You know, I think uh, maybe Robin Leonard was in the stands eating a hamburger, and Mike Smith <laughs> was like, what the hell? Who's this dude? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, just uh, gazing at, I don't know what, there at T-Mobile. So I have to get to this, though. And, you know, maybe we're too critical at times about Robin Leonard. But if we're talking about playing faster mm -hmm. is Robin Leonard. I can't see him catching the puck and then releasing it, sliding from one side of the net to the other and then, you know, re releasing it out uh, and just chucking it out to uh, whoever's going to start to break out. Is Robin Leonard the right goaltender for a system that would be a lot faster, a lot quicker, looking to play in transition, looking for the odd man rushes. Is Robin Leonard that goaltender? I've got to ask that question. Fair question. And if I can only answer yes or no on what you're saying, of course, the answer is no. Robin Leonard 
does not have that same speed and skill set to do that. But with every single goalie in the NHL, you have strengths, you have weaknesses. Robin Leonard's strength is his size. When Robin Leonard is at his best, he is not moving. He's not dropping to his knees. He's not doing this weird, you know, butterfly hybrid nonsense where they're diving around and stuff like that. When things are going well for Robin Leonard, he is boring to watch. Just like, you know, when he, when he was first uh, brought to the Golden Knights, he was boring, which is good. Robin Leonard's style needs to be boring, needs to be very elementary in the sense that he's going to be in position when that puck hits him. It's going to bounce down and either hopefully into the corner or there's going to be good rebound control. And he's hard to get past just based on his size. You are going to give something up and that is skill and that quickness to, you know, stand up very fast. Robin Leonard cannot go from his knees to his legs very quickly when fully healthy, let alone with uh, all the stuff he had happening last season. So you're going to give up something with Robin Leonard. I'm not, not trying to dog him. That's not what this is about right now. But Robin Leonard is not that goalie who's going to be on his knees, make a quick save, get that puck to the glove, and get it out before the referee blows the whistle because the ref needs to kill that play also. The moment that a player is in front of the goalie or challenging the goalie, so to speak, the play has to die because the goal, the, the player on offense does not have the right to try and hit the puck out of his glove or anything like that. So you can't let the goalie make a glove save stand there for a second while the defender passes that or while the offensive player passes him and then let the goalie make a play. You got to be real fast. And that's not Robin Leonard's strength. Yeah. And uh, we do remember the, I did an entire episode on the response uh, for VGK, something that they were lacking, something that you alluded to and how they were just breaking out of the zone, especially in years one and two. And we're just not seeing a lot of that anymore. And perhaps we could talk more about that as we continue here in the offseason, trying to solve all the issues for VGK. But I definitely believe that this will become more of a trend in the National Hockey League to speed up the game a little bit more. Coming up next, the latest on the playoffs. You are listening to Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. It's free and available, our podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. And uh, again, we apologize for some technical issues on the video side today, and we should have everything back up and running once again for tomorrow's show. And one of our colleagues was using our restream earlier. If that (laughs) didn't happen, we probably would have been able to execute the show on video as well. All that aside, let's talk about the current playoffs. I want to begin with uh, David Perron. I said that he was headhunting against the Colorado Avalanche. Someone begged to differ with me, of course, a St. Louis fan on Twitter. Uh, But the NHL came out yesterday with a $5,000 fine for starting fights for headhunting Nazim Kadri. And uh, shouldn't the $5,000 fine be a thing of the past? According to the CBA, that's the maximum amount. But that doesn't that just seems like chump change to me. And I feel like that fine, especially in this incident uh, and on this occasion with Perron and all the issues with uh, racism and the threats against Kadri. I think that, again, maybe perhaps the fine should fit the crime. I mean, yeah, so you could tell that in the back of their mind was we're going to get Kadri. We are going to get Kadri and avenge what happened in what, in my opinion, was 
not a dirty play. Um, Kadri is not a player who is worthy of the benefit of the doubt. Again, he's in unfamiliar territory. He's in the second round of the playoffs with Toronto. They had a hard time getting to the second round of the playoffs. And usually when his team is in the second round of the playoffs, he finds himself suspended. So he's not worthy of the benefit of the doubt. You can go back and watch that play over and over and over and over. It's a 50, 50 situation. They're going hard to the net, you know, blues fans get over it. Just, just get over it. And your team needs to focus on winning games instead of winning the battle of temporarily hitting Nazim Kadri, you know, in the face mask with your glove or hitting him when his back is to you and you might get a shot or two in and he's going to bounce it up, you know, just get right up and whatever. So the blues did not have their focus in that game. And does the punishment fit the crime? I mean, it's a max penalty, Tony, it's a max penalty. The bigger problem is, needs to, you know, be, be discussed, whether it's AHL, PA, however, you know, if it's in the CBA, I don't know how that nonsense works. A better podcaster probably does, but if it's a max fine, it's a max fine. What else can you possibly do? Should it be a thing of the past five grand? I mean, five grand is absolutely nothing. I mean, to me, I saw intent to injure twice that elbow after the goal was scored. I mean, if he connects on that elbow, it's night night, Kadri. He is yeah. out cold and concussion, and the Blues fans are standing and cheering. You know, like uh, just before I get in, in trouble, we're going to move forward from that. But and then the cross check and everything when he's on the ground, like you know, let's let's play hockey here. Let's let's do it the right way. You really want to get someone back? Wait till the regular season. Let your coach and your general manager call up Ogie Oglethorpe. You know from. Uh, from the federal league or whatever that was called and all that. And let's really do it. Then don't do that nonsense in the playoffs. So come on. And the abs uh, can close out that series this evening, leading three games to one and yeah, night, night blues night, night. They're definitely night, night. the better team, the avalanche, but I still believe that Edmonton is the best team from the West. I've been saying that for a few weeks now, mm-hmm. and I'm still going to go with Edmonton. And a lot of you folks didn't think that they would make it this far. And they're going to try again to close out Calgary. Uh, coming up as well and on Thursday we also have the Rangers and the Canes game number five three words for you Shesty release us I mean is has the this Rangers organization because of Reeves and all these other players now and everything that's been going on I think that they're one of the more um, colorful teams right they've got a lot of character but of course the charge is led by uh, Ryan Reeves, uh, the ex VGKer, and I hope that he comes out here and plays in uh, the softball game coming up this summer with the uh, the Golden Knights against the Raiders. But they're one of the more colorful teams right now. And we did last night have the face-off between Tony D'Angelo and Ryan Reeves, and I would have paid some good money to listen in on that chirp between those two characters for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, I'm I'm back on the Reeves bandwagon. and I, I made that uh, flip. It felt like a religious, spiritual moment when I realized that, you know, the Golden Knights do miss Ryan Reeves or a character like Ryan Reeves. The excitement that he brings, he is one of those players that simply brings you to your feet. That's, that's who he is. The Golden Knights need to focus on a player like that to help recreate the identity. Uh, the Rangers are fun. They're a great story. You can start with Gallant. You can look at all the skill that they have. 
Chesterkin seems to finally have figured things out. He didn't have a good a good first series. He did not have a good first round, but he's really coming aboard. And, you know, Tony, it's funny. I think you made the comment last week. Uh, you said you gave me the, some nonsense stat that if you go down 0-2, the chances of, you know, advancing, it's like less than, I don't know, 18, 17, 11%, whatever that number is. And fine, whatever. I get that stats are stats. But until a team gets to three wins or after game four, that's when we can kind of start making – assumptions on what direction this series is going to go i don't care what the line is i don't care what the three game historical data is with with the hurricanes who have not lost at home yet in the playoffs keep in mind they also haven't won on the road but the hurricanes are underdogs in that series i don't care what anyone says the pressure is on them it's going to be much easier easier for the rangers to find a way to get a win on the road than it is for the Hurricanes to get a win on the road. If the Hurricanes win tonight, it's going to be a real tough spot for for the Rangers. But if they do, I mean, you know, look at your Rangers against Pittsburgh. If they're down 3-2, so what? They can still bounce back. It'd be better if Game 7 was at home at court, of course. But, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun, and let's just uh, kind of see what happens. This is uh, kind of hard to believe, too, though. But if the Rangers could somehow advance into the next round, into the conference finals, they would have home ice advantage over Tampa. And home ice at Madison Square Garden has been pretty strong here in the postseason. Um, on the way out, Chris, I wanted to just talk a little bit about the world championships uh, going on currently. Um, 73 years uh, since uh, Denmark beat the Canadians, but they did so on Monday. And Canada moves into the quarterfinals as Zach Whitecloud scores a goal with some nifty moves. No doubt. Yeah, I caught a good replay of that goal. Um, you know, Whitecloud, he's, again, last year he was a stay-at-home defenseman, plus 21, uh, 18, 28 points, 18. I can't remember. the. It was in, in the mid-20s or so. So he has the ability to get into position and create offense. And I think if he can elevate his transition game a little bit, you know, take a page or two out of Shea Theodore's book, White Cloud can very quietly, you know, become one of the top, you know, 30, maybe even top 25 defensemen in the league. I mean, he's got the size, he's got the strength, he's young enough where he's still going to develop. Look what he's got around him to learn from. Petrangelo, Martinez, Shea Theodore. And then you look at a stay-at-home type like Braden McNabb and Nick Haig, who you know, can put you through the boards just as easily as uh, Braden McNabb and such. And White Cloud has the same, you know, I think he's a tiny bit smaller than those two, but he also has the speed and strength to make up for it. So Zach White Cloud is quietly putting himself in place to have a wonderful career and be a huge part of this organization. A lot of people were even saying he should wear a letter next year. I mean, maybe. I'm not against it, I guess. There's a lot of other more storied players that maybe could, you know, before him. But he's got a great future ahead of him right now, and we're just seeing more growth in uh, the world championships. Yeah, uh, something that's not so quiet, your chirp on uh, Vander Kane. And I think that you drew the ire of a lot of San Jose fans by uh, saying now that he's the he's become the model citizen or what, whatever you were saying on yesterday's show. Model citizen, easy. Slow down, Tony. <laughs> I said he is the ultimate misfit right now. Ultimate <laughs> misfit. And that's coming from a Vegas fan. That is the ultimate compliment we can offer somebody. Evander <laughs> uh, Kane is the ultimate misfit. He is fun right now. Two goals last night. Two more goals. Two goals last night. Yeah. You know, talk about the acquisition of the year. Go figure. 
we'll have to and see. He was waived, and he was even waived. <laughs> we'll have a lot more coming up tomorrow on the show. Hopefully, we'll be back with video on YouTube. Uh, of course, uh, now you can listen to us here. Of course, on the podcast side, on at LockdownVGK on Twitter, and you can also view us most days on <laughs> at LockdownVGK as well on YouTube. Thanks for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. And thanks for making the Lockdown Golden Knights Lockdown NHL your second listen from the second round, almost into the third, all the matchups going on to each Stanley Cup kiss. Lockdown NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday, free and available as well, wherever you get your podcast. From Las Vegas, Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick saying see you soon. We'll see you tomorrow right back here at Locked On Golden Knights. Take care.